0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Hi, this is Jason Greenblatt on The Diplomat. This week, celebrity Whoopi Goldberg was suspended from The View because of awful, highly ignorant comments she made about the Holocaust, including that the Holocaust was not about race and that it was about two groups of white people. Whoopi since apologized, saying, among other things, I stand corrected, the Jewish people around the world have always had my support, and I'm sorry for the hurt I have caused. Was her apology adequate? Should she have been suspended, more than suspended? How is it possible Whoopi was so ignorant about the Holocaust? How many people in today's world are as ignorant as Whoopi about the atrocities of the Holocaust, where six million Jews were systematically and brutally murdered because they were Jewish. Hitler's goal was to eradicate Jews and Judaism. But ultimately, separate from Whoopi herself, what do we do about it? Where do we go from here? I was fortunate to be able to interview many leading voices on this topic. Rabbi David Wolpe from Sinai Temple, Rabbi Marvin Heyer, Simon Wiesenthal Center, Rabbi Abraham Cooper, Simon Wiesenthal Center, David Suisa, publisher and editor-in-chief of Tribe Media, Abe Foxman, formerly from the Anti-Defamation League Rabbi Shmuel Boteach, World Values Network Ellie Kohanim, former Deputy Special Envoy to Monitor and Combat Anti-Semitism at the State Department Rebecca Sugar, writer and columnist at the New York Sun Daniela Greenbaum, former Hot Topics producer at The View Josh Hammer, Newsweek Opinion Editor Yossi Gestetner, co-founder of OJPAC Anga Sorgan from Newsweek take a listen. I think you're going to find this podcast really interesting, informative, important. It certainly helped me get my thoughts together on this really important issue. Thanks for listening. I'm Jason Greenblatt. This is The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek. So I'm really glad that Rabbi Shmuley Botech has joined me for this uh, very tough topic. Uh, Shmuley is a very strong voice when it comes to fighting anti-Semitism, Holocaust, education. So his thoughts on what's happening or what's happened with Whoopi Goldberg are important. He also, and hopefully he'll share his thoughts on this, dealt with uh, an unrelated, but people are relating it, um, so perhaps uh, he might think they're relatable, uh, issue with Roseanne Barr when it came to racist comments. So Shmuley, you know the comments Whoopi made. You heard her apology. You probably heard Jonathan Greenblatt's uh, interview with her and the rest of The View hosts. What do you think about what happened?
2: Well, first and foremost, um, clearly, we're doing a terrible job at communicating memory of the Holocaust, because the fact that someone as educated as Whoopi Goldberg has been a friend of the Jewish community and kind of even changed her name to a Jewish name, Whoopi Goldberg, that was not her you know, birth name. The fact that she could get this so wrong, and I don't think it was done out of malice, just shows uh, the growing ignorance New York Times says that 64% of Americans have never heard of Auschwitz. And now Whoopi Goldberg is saying that the Jews were not murdered, uh, due to any kind of racial motivation. Uh, so that's kind of scary. Um, I thought everyone at least knew the story behind the Nazi German annihilation of the Jews. They saw us as a subhuman race. They saw us as a distinctive race with distinctive physical features, you know, uh, Whoopi Goldberg's very binary. She thinks that racial hatred is based on black and white. Well, the Nazis thought that they could identify a Jew from a million miles away. They in 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 the Jews hook nosed and the payas and the, the beard. Uh in cranial features. Um, they actually believed this garbage, but it wasn't just garbage. It translated into the greatest mass murder in the history of the world. So the first thing is, it's kind of scary at what a bad job we're doing in communicating Holocaust memory. Maybe we have to change our whole focus, Jason. We're great. The Jewish community is amazing at building, you know, museums like the Smithsonian with the American government. Yad Vashem. Maybe it's not about museums anymore. Now really, maybe it's about social media. Maybe it's about, we have to find a better way. The second thing is, in in the a, in a strangest way, Whoopi Goldberg was kind of right, not about why the Nazis murdered us, but about the fact that the Jews are not a race. I mean, let's face it, there are white Jews and there are black Jews. And she also failed to kind of notice that. Uh, you were America's foremost diplomat dealing with the Middle East Eastern conflict in, in the Trump administration, and you saw more than most the incredible, uh, let's use the word racial only in this context, racial complexity and diversity of the state of Israel, for example, black Jews and white Jews and everything in between. So on the one hand, she couldn't have been more wrong about how the Nazis saw us and why they murdered us. On the other hand, she is kind of right that we are not a race. We're a nation, we're people, we're a faith, but we are not a race.
1: And Shmali, you're talking to me actually from Dubai, and, and by the way, I appreciate it because if I'm, if my math is right, it's probably 12.20 or one twenty in the morning for you, so thank you for hopping on the show. And what's really interesting about talking about this now with you in Dubai is that the UAE does Holocaust education now, something that has never been done before and just is one of those dramatic changes that has happened in very, very recent history.
2: Yeah, uh, interesting you say that. First of all, it's two thirty a.m. But to be honest, Jason, you're uh, such a good friend. And I, well, well, you're such a good friend, and I have so much respect for you. Not only for the excellent podcast, the Diplomat, which I, uh, I'm a regular listener to, and I'm always promoting it on our social media, but also the history you and I, I share together. You represented the United States of America with such integrity and humility. Uh, I will forever respect it. So it's it's Thank an you. honor to be on. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, not only is the UAE promoting Holocaust education, but one of the great honors of my of my trip here was that it coincided with International Holocaust Remembrance Day, uh, the day that the that the Red Army liberated Auschwitz on the 27th of January, 1945. So here in Dubai at the World Expo, and the Expo is held every five years, it was delayed a year, it was supposed to be 2020, and now uh, Dubai uh, celebrated in the last few months of, of World Expo. They had the first ever, or so they said, first ever, Holocaust commemoration in an Arab-Muslim country. And um, Israel's ambassador to uh, the UAE was there, Amir Hayek. Oh my gosh, I mean, I think the Commissioner General of the Expo was there. And then two days later, Israel's uh, president, Yitzhak Herzog, arrived. And uh, the welcome he was given, the singing of a Tikva, it, it, it was remarkable. But it, but, it, but it also speaks to the fact, I mean, bringing up the UAE in Dubai, where I am currently, it speaks to this issue about race. The Jews are not a race insofar as we incorporate every race. There are Ethiopian Jews, first ever black Africans that were airlifted into freedom by the state of Israel with Operation Moses, Operation Solomon. There are black Jews. So here, this is the conundrum of, of what Whoopi Goldberg said. It would be I, ideal if humanity no longer spoke in racial terms because in truth there's only one race, and that's the human race. There are different ethnicities, there are different cultures, there are different nationalities, there are different religions, but there's only a human race. Hitler and the Nazis were trying to subvert that ancient biblical idea that says there's only one human race, all of whom are created equally in the image of God. They were using Darwinian uh, evolutionary ideas that says that different strands of Homo sapiens evolved at different speeds and that Aryans evolved much more fully and were therefore a... A, a, a race of superior uh, homo sapiens uh, a superior race and jews then slavs were a lower race and blacks were an even lower race but the lowest of all races was the jewish race which they sought to annihilate and exterminate and ended up murdering one out of three jews alive and half of all jews in europe so on the one uh, uh, just to repeat i've known whoopi goldberg for for two decades and i've been on the view many times um She's not an anti-Semite, and I don't believe in the one-strike-and-you're-out philosophy, and she did apologize. But I think, Jason, the real reason people were so offended by what she said is when she kind of implied that, you know, this is white people fighting amongst each other and work it out among yourselves. Well, that sounded like there were two groups who just happened to be in a conflict, and one annihilated the other. Of course, that was never the case. The Jews were defenseless. This was state-sponsored genocide. So that was... Like an offensive comment. Having said that, she did apologize. She then went on Colbert, kind of walked it back. But then she apologized on The View. And I'm a big believer in apologies. And when you speak about Roseanne Barr, Roseanne apologized and cried. I mean, she literally cried. And then she made financial restitution. She supported African-American educational charities. And she was still not just suspended. She was canceled. I would have preferred for The View not to have suspended Whoopi Goldberg and instead... To have said you know what we're going to devote an entire week to holocaust education on the view because this happened that would have been helpful punitive measures how they're going to help i just don't know
1: really pleased Eli kohanim that you join me today to talk about this important issue first of all thank you for your service in the u.s government you're at the forefront of helping to fight anti-semitism so i think you are one of the leading voices on this issue and uh, I want to start by asking you what you thought about Whoopi Goldberg's comments.
3: Jason, I, I have to first of all say thank you for having me join you on your amazing podcast. And uh, and kudos to you for your service to this country. Um, you know, I came into office after you and... Uh, I I saw the vision for peace, I read through it, and uh, your work, what you did to advance peace in the Middle East is so incredible, and so kudos to you, first of all. Um, Jason, I have to tell you, uh, when I first saw the footage of Whoopi on the view, my jaw kind of hit the ground. I mean, I couldn't believe what was coming out of her mouth. And the thing is that we live in a culture that I believe gives way too much credence to celebrities. The problem is that she had an audience of 2.5 to 3 million people watching her as she was just factually incorrect about the murder of 6 million Jews in the Holocaust. And so it, it was dangerous and it was damaging. And so that's why I had a very strong reaction when I saw it which was really shame on Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, I really couldn't say anything differently, and that's what my reaction was. And the Holocaust was really the darkest history, uh, sorry, the darkest moment in man's history. So it's just not acceptable for someone like Whoopi Goldberg to be on television and getting the facts wrong. Jason, the other thing about what happened on The View is that Whoopi Goldberg was talking about the Holocaust from the lens of somebody in 2022. And she kind of said the same thing when she went on Colbert. She kind of has admitted to the fact that she's seeing history through her own lenses, which is an American black woman in 2022, perceiving events through the lens of what's become very chic today, which is critical race theory. And so understanding the world purely as if the only paradigm is black and white and so from that perspective she went on air and she said well the holocaust wasn't about race because from her perspective the only way that it can be about race is, be- is if it's between black and white or about black and white right now just so that your audience knows and i and i imagine that Hopefully, maybe the only good thing and positive thing that maybe has come out from this Whoopi Goldberg incident is that people maybe have bothered to read a little bit more about what happened with the Nazis.
1: Yeah, and and you throughout your answer, you raised a very important question that I think people are only now starting to focus on, which is, how is it that somebody of Whoopi Goldberg's statue was so ignorant about the Holocaust? Forget what she said, which was terrible. What have we done wrong? that she and so many others from what I'm hearing don't even understand the nature of that atrocity.
3: Jason, it's it's mind-blowing to me because you would imagine that someone like Whoopi Goldberg just somewhere along the way would have, I don't know, read a book, seen a movie, Schindler's List, right? You know, um, Sophie's Choice. Something, you know, Night by Ellie Wiesel, uh, you know, Anne Frank. I mean, there, you would, you would just imagine that someone like Whoopi Goldberg would have been exposed to the facts of the Holocaust at some point along the way. And, uh, and so Jason, it is shocking that Whoopi didn't know the facts. And, the reality, though, is we know from studies that most people in the world don't know enough about the Holocaust, that Holocaust education is completely lacking all over the world and right here in the United States. The statistics and the surveys have shown us this. And, uh, and I think it just proves that we have a lot of work ahead of us.
1: Rabbi Wolpe, thank you so much for joining me to discuss this important topic. Welcome to The Diplomat.
4: Thank you. Pleasure to be here, and it's a pleasure to, to talk with you again.
1: Thank you. And I, I wish we were talking about something um, better, right? So yeah. we have these comments from Whoopi Goldberg. And the truth is, as I've been speaking to Jewish leaders and leaders generally like you, I'm learning more and more. You know, people are getting their information from Twitter. I'm saying a lot of things on Twitter and social media. It's just too complicated an issue. So I'm putting together this episode to allow leaders, thought leaders, people who are on the forefront of not only the Jewish community but fighting anti-Semitism to share their thoughts so collectively we could sort of better understand what happened and, frankly, where to go from here. So why don't we start with Whoopi's comments. What's your reaction?
4: So my general trend in all of these sorts of things is to presume ignorance rather than malice. Malice can always be proved later, but I assume at first that the person just doesn't know what they're talking about. And and in a complicated world, we all make pronouncements about things that we don't know very much about. And, And then we double down when someone challenges us. So I sometimes say to Jewish audiences, look, you assume everybody knows about Israel. How much do you know about Kashmir? How much do you know about Chechnya? And so when I heard it, the first thing I thought was, she's just ignorant. She doesn't know what she's talking about, obviously. That's why I have two problems with suspending her for two weeks. Um, And they're almost opposite problems. One problem I have is it is much better to have the person in public, to have them talk to other people in public, to have them publicly educated, to see the process of unlearning and learning the truth than it is to make them disappear. The second problem I have is when the two weeks are over and she comes back, it's like it's gone. And it shouldn't be gone because the deeper part of this is it's part of a, a general um, resurgence of anti-Semitism. I don't believe that her comments were intended to be anti-Semitic. I hope not, I can't read into her heart. Um, but we have a lot of work to do, um, which you know as well as anyone and, uh, and all of us, I think who care about Jewish life, realize we have a lot of work to do to, uh, to educate and uh, uneducate <laughs> in certain ways um, a lot of the American public and the world so I, I'm sorry in some ways that the way this was handled, but I think there have been a lot of very thoughtful and useful reactions to it.
1: You know, because you're such a good speaker and writer, unfortunately for me, you kind of answered all of my questions <laughs> in one shot. <laughs> good for you. But but you're, you're allowing me now to focus on two issues, which you spoke about. One is this concept of, let's assume, no malice, right? I agree with that. I have no reason to think she's anti-Semitic. But what about the concept that I've heard from other people about learning how not to speak about things you don't know about? Should people be focused on that?
4: So I would say, yeah, can I say yes and no? Um, Sure. I don't know if this is a good Jewish answer. Yes (laughs) and no. So on the one hand, no, of course, none of us should speak about things we don't know about if we're given authoritative platforms. And it's one thing to say to your friend, you know, that quarterback stinks when you don't know anything about football. It's another thing to say that quarterback stinks if you're the announcer of the game. But we have so elevated celebrity uh, and given them so much authority that it's very hard, I think, for people to not assume that what they say carries weight. And all of us pronounce... I I saw one day a a tweet that said something like, all of the people who are epidemiologists last week are now professors of Afghan history this week. And it's true to some extent... It's like we all weigh in on things that we don't know about. The other part of this that I think is so important is in general, in in American life, there is a lack of forgiveness. When someone apologizes, we just assume that they're being deceptive. And I hope that we, that's why I wish this process would play out in public because I want to see both learning and also forgiveness. Like, okay, we've all said things that we wish we didn't say. We've all done things that we wish we didn't do. And without forgiveness, we're lost.
1: I think that's really important. First of all, just to go back to your other issue, you're right. We are all human. And uh, shame on me if I'm speaking on my show about things I shouldn't be speaking about. But one of the reasons I'm doing this particular series on Whoopi Goldberg is it is a very complicated issue. And there are a lot of competing interests, but there are also a lot of layers here. Uh, As far as forgiveness, I think our society has gone too far and uh, as far as I could tell from what she said it looked like a sincere apology you know is it one strike you're out is that the society we have I mean right. it's completely contrary to anything I've ever learned in my life and it's completely contrary to what I teach my kids so I think yeah. that's an important point thank you for yeah I,
4: I would say I feel differently about a, a Mel Gibson than I do about a Whoopi Goldberg they're yeah. just different cases not every case is the worst case
1: I'm really, really happy that you're with me, Yossi Gestetner, the co-founder of the Orthodox Jewish Public Affairs Council. Yossi and I, you met years ago in Trump Tower when President Trump was, I think, then thinking of running for president, maybe already declared his candidacy, and we've stayed in touch since then. So thanks for joining The Diplomat.
5: Thanks for having me.
1: I want to talk about Whoopi Goldberg's comment. What do you think about what she said?
5: I think uh, the most egregious part of a comment was the part that it was infighting among whites. I don't have the exact quote uh, with me, but what the media people and and activists, activists picked up was on the part that she said the Holocaust was not about race. But to me, what stood out is that to her, it wasn't even a Holocaust, essentially. It was just white people fighting among themselves. It's like white on white crime. It's like, okay, you know, You have two teams fighting and one wins and one loses. That's an extremely insane view to hold about the Holocaust, where innocent people, millions upon millions of them, mostly Jews and of course from other backgrounds too, were just killed and murdered indiscriminately, including a million uh, children, a million Jewish children. So to have a view as a 66 year old, a national host, to have a view about the Holocaust that there was an infighting between whites and basically one side won and the other side lost as if this is some inner city fight where gangsters are, uh, you know, pulling guns at each other. It's an extreme, insane uh, opinion to express. And frankly, if this were a person on Fox news, let's not be political about it, but let's try to reframe it a little bit. Think of Tucker Carlson coming on the show and say, you know, the whole thing in Germany and Europe, you know, 75, 80 years ago, it was whites fighting among themselves. You and I know that heads would explode. I'm not trying to point out, oh, it's a double standard. Just pointing out that what, what happened here is unprecedented in U.S. television history. If this were someone on Fox or Newsmax or OAN or whatever, I, I don't think anyone would... <laughs> You know, I don't
1: think there will be any talk about moving on from this. David Suisa, thank you so much for joining me. Really appreciate to have your voice on this issue. Series of issues, perhaps. I want to ask what you thought about Whoopi Goldberg's comments about the Holocaust.
6: Well, I I think um, it was based on an American definition of race, an American view which looks very much at race from an African-American standpoint in terms of the skin color. So that was that point of view. And in a sense, it might be ignorant relative to the Holocaust and the situation with the Jews, but it kind of represented a lot of the mainstream view of especially, you know, black Americans. And when you say race, they look at skin color. So it, it I was not kind of... Um, I was not dismayed or shaken up like a lot of other of my, my colleagues. Obviously, you know, race did play a big part in, in the Holocaust. But her, her, her mistake, really, there was two parts to what she said. The first part said that race had nothing to do with the Holocaust, right? And in that, she was clearly wrong. You know, I did not have a problem with saying that, you know, maybe Jews are not a race. And I can tell you, I've read a number of essays that try to make that case, right? Even though Hitler decided we were a race, well, maybe that doesn't mean we, we are one. So there's a, there's controversy on that point. It's the second thing, Jason, that really disturbed me. The reason is because she erased Jewish identity. So it's not so much that she refused to consider us a race is that she refused to give us any special identity whatsoever. So, uh, and I don't really care whether that identity comes from us being a race, whether it comes from us being a religion, whether it comes from us being a culture, a civilization. I don't really care. But you know, we were murdered because we were Jews. We were murdered because we belonged to that tribe. And this is what's gotten lost in all the controversy and on all the conversation is when we we keep arguing, are we a race? You know, are we not a race? But the key point is that it doesn't really matter because whether we're a race or religion a people or a culture, we were murdered because we were Jews.
1: So pleased to have Rabbi Heyer from the Simon Wiesenthal Center with me to talk about this issue. I like to understand things on a deeper level. I like to teach my kids things on a deeper level. So I'm reaching out to leading voices who are very knowledgeable about this, and I want to hear what they have to say. So thank you, everybody Hire, for joining.
7: It's a pleasure. And uh, what I'd like to say, the Simon Wiesenthal Center, we uh, own the original Hitler letter. Uh, this is one of the most important documents in the history of the Second World War. The document was written on September the 16th, 1919. And in this letter... Hitler talks all about the Jews. and This is what Hitler says. I'm giving you excerpts of what Hitler wrote in this letter. First, he writes, the Jews are definitely a race and not a religious community. Through a thousand, and then I'm skipping in, in sentences. He then says, through a thousand years of inbreeding, the Jew has preserved his race and character much more rigorously than many of the peoples among whom he lives. The feelings of the Jews are concerned with purely material things. And then he gets to the point of what we should do about it. His activities produce a racial tuberculosis among nations. He says, but antisemitism, based on reason, must lead to the systematic legal combating and removal of the rights of the Jews. And then his final, his final most dramatic statement of all. The final aim, however, must be the uncompromising removal of the Jews altogether. Both are possible only under a government of national strength and never under a government of national impotence. Now, what Hitler wrote here about the Jews being a race, he implemented everything about the removal of the Jews some 22 years later, when this letter was written September 16, 1919. And of course, the final solution occurred at the Wannsee Conference in 1942, which now this is the 80th anniversary of the Wannsee Conference. So there's no doubt about the fact that Adolf Hitler would never accept the idea that the Jews are not a race. He said they are a race, and he therefore used it as the main purpose to get rid of them.
1: Rabbi Heyer, thank you for sharing that. It's actually something, although, of course, I knew. I never heard directly, certainly not from a letter. How do you think Whoopi Goldberg— um, a person who was watched by millions over many years—how uh, do you think she got it so wrong?
7: I'll tell you the truth—I can't understand it. We know her; she's been, um, uh, she was uh, honored by the Simon Wiesenthal Center in New York, and she was always very, very—you uh, know—committed to combating antisemitism, hatred, and bigotry. So I simply do not know what entered her mind at that time to make a statement like that, which is repudiated by the biggest gangster and murderer in the history of the world, Adolf Hitler, who says very clearly, the Jews are a race.
1: What did you think about her apology?
7: Well, I think her apology that I think, uh, you know, uh, I wish she would have made, you know, been more uh, explicit on it. And uh, should have basically, um, it it should have been a stronger apology, uh, you know, but I would say one thing clearly, if you ask me, do I believe that she has any, uh, you know, is she an anti-Semite or hates Jews? That is not true. That is definitely not the case. And we wouldn't make such a charge because it's not believable.
1: Do you think the the suspension, the two-week suspension, is the right move? Should it not have been done? Should it have been total cancel? What do you think the right answer is for that?
7: Well, I think no. When you make a mistake of that proportion on so many and eventually millions of people, not only in the United States, but around the world hear that, and they probably don't listen to the rebuttal, uh, you know, so they could have taken stronger action. And uh, you know that, that w- uh, would have been called for in a way, but still, let me make it very clear, the Simon Wiesenthal Center does not believe that w- Whoopi Goldberg is an anti-Semite.
1: So, Rabbi Cooper, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, the Simon Wiesenthal Center is so important, especially on this issue. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what happened with Whoopi Goldberg and her comments relating to the Holocaust.
8: Right. Yeah. Um... Uh, as you probably know, and if you're speaking to Jewish leaders across the country, you've spoken to you know, Rabbi Marvin Heyer, our, our CEO and founder, uh, Whoopi Goldberg is a, a known personality for many decades. Uh, she's certainly not an anti-Semite, and she is, I think, fr- friendly too, and uh, at ease with being around Jews. Having said that, You know, uh, when when we heard uh, that uh, comment, uh, of course, the question is like, how did how did that come out of her mouth? Like, what's the context of where she said this? And uh, the way I see it, I think I mentioned this to The Washington Post, uh, is that we have uh, a new definition of racism that has been put out there and not since yesterday. You can say it's parallel to or part of the woke movement. I, I'm not sure, and uh, that new definition basically defines racism only as it's applicable to people of color. I don't want to put too many you know words on it. Progressive, let's just say woke, in which you know we're, we're societies uh, busy pulling down uh, statues. Uh, here, there are people who tried to pull down historic truth. It feels better to them at this kind of a definition. When you grid that definition over what happened in the Holocaust, so then you can maybe understand what Woody Goldberg was coming from. Well, if racism only relates to people of color, and never mind that the Jews are never white enough for the Nazis, just from a, a sort of semantic and maybe a, a practical point of view. Well, it couldn't possibly be, be racism if racism is now defined in 2022 over and over again by all everything that you're listening to as only applicable to people of race. So therefore, the Holocaust couldn't possibly have anything to do with racism. And of course, the response to that is wrong. And I believe that's the, having met uh, Whoopi Goldberg once or twice, she would remember me, watched all of, you know, love her movies and all the rest. When I try to analyze more deeply, like what the heck just happened? That is what I believe just happened is that that comment reflects uh, uh, the result of, uh, of individuals and groups and movements and even some Jewish organizations coming up with a contemporary definition of racism that uh, may make people certain people feel uh, comfortable, but doesn't really connect to reality, not historic reality and, and not uh, today's reality.
1: Really happy to be here with my friend, Rebecca Sugar, who's a writer and columnist for the New York Sun. Rebecca, you wrote um, a really interesting piece in the Wall Street Journal, We're All Whoopi Goldberg Now, with a subtitle, Who Sounds Off on Ignorance These Days, Who Doesn't? So why don't we get into it? Um, I think what struck me as fascinating from your piece is that two things, I suppose. Whoopi's offense isn't that she's an anti-Semite, it's that she's a self-important celebrity with a platform. And also, essentially, that she was enthusiastically ready to educate her co-hosts and audience about a subject on which she couldn't even write a two-page essay. Give me your thoughts on this.
9: Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I think when this whole thing broke, I I just was watching the reactions like everybody else. And first, my first thought was, I don't agree that Whoopi Goldberg is an anti-Semite or a Holocaust denier. That seemed to be the wave that was coming uh, out by a lot of people. And I just don't, I didn't get that feeling. My overriding feeling was uh, she stepped in it. Why? Because she didn't know what she was talking about. She, she wasn't trying to be, you know, anti-Semitic, although what she said, the contents of it, clearly smacked of anti-Semitism. But I think she just is marinated in a culture where um, that kind of rhetoric predominates the conversation she just adopted it it sounded to me like and she just spewed it out not knowing what she was saying and and then my overriding feeling when i listened to this whole thing was uh you know i don't watch the view very much but i've seen a few episodes i guess was um what is she doing on a panel with these other women who equally really don't know much about these subjects talking about such serious subjects and when i watched the video of of Whoopi Goldberg saying what she initially said, she was very authoritatively stating the facts as she thought she knew them. Um, and that struck me because, you know, I sort of thought, well, if Jason Greenblatt were to invite me onto this show to talk about, you know, the slaughter of, I don't know, Christians in sub-Saharan Africa, um, if you gave me three straight minutes to just expound on that, um, I I might say a couple of decent things and then I'd probably veer off into stupid land, um, like Whoopi did, uh, because I haven't really read that much about it. But I think the difference between me and Whoopi Goldberg is that I know I haven't read a lot about it, and I wouldn't spend three minutes talking about it, but she's a celebrity. Probably didn't occur to her not to speak about something she didn't know much about. That's the biggest problem here. We have a, a whole culture Uh, That's designed around giving people platforms to speak about things that they do not know that much about. And it's from the celebrity level to the media level, political level, on down to the individual level. And here we all should take a little bit of responsibility too. Who hasn't sort of said something silly that they shouldn't have said, not really knowing much about what they were saying?
1: Nobody seems to be talking about the fact that they should have prepared Whoopi and the rest of the hosts for this topic better. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. It doesn't sound like they did at all. Isn't it also their responsibility?
9: Yes, but clearly they're not viewing it that way. They've been on the show for years, right? And I guess nobody's called them to the carpet about it. So, you know, why bother when you can just say what you feel and say it with authority and everybody claps? Um, There's no motivation to up your game. And she didn't. And so she stepped in it. I'm, I'm surprised it took this long
1: So glad to be here with Danielle Greenbaum. Danielle is uh, an Emmy award-winning producer, actually a former producer, hot topics producer at The View, a writer. And uh, Danielle, you wrote a really great piece in the Washington Post about the Whoopi Goldberg situation. So thanks for coming on the show.
10: My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
1: So let's start with. Uh, we'll go a little bit out of order. Let's start with Whoopi's apology, um, because you were on. You were a producer on the show. And in your piece, you wrote that you believed it was sincere. And and by the way, I think so as well. You think that she genuinely regretted hurting anyone. And then you raise Mm -hmm. an interesting point, um, which is that she seemed to double down on her comments on The Colbert Show, which I've heard a lot of people Mm -hmm. say. Although I had another conversation with a writer who said, what I'm thinking also, which is, she maybe appeared more confused or still trying to figure it out than necessarily doubling down. Maybe she really just doesn't know any better. I wonder what your thoughts are on that.
10: I do think she meant her apology in the sense that I think she genuinely is upset that she's hurt people. Um, But I don't think that there's been any education. I don't think there's been any change. I don't think, I think she still doesn't understand why it was wrong. And I think you can see that. She said to Colbert something like, I'm going to take your word for it, and I'm just going to stop talking about it. And on the show, when she invited um, Jonathan Greenblatt on, she said in her apology that day, I misspoke. Um, But she she didn't misspeak. You know, things, things happen on live TV all the time where people do misspeak. And there's, you know, a whole brouhaha, deserved or not, because someone says something um that they didn't mean to say, and that, you know, is phrased poorly, and you know, people pounce. That wasn't what happened here. Whoopi didn't say something she didn't mean to say. It wasn't that the show was going too quickly and it was live and and something came out wrong. She said what she believed and and that's what the problem is. It's that there's been no movement, no education, no conversation to really say, we don't just want to you know slap you on the wrist and say we're hurt and and tell you you did wrong, we actually want to have a conversation about why you were wrong and hopefully be able to educate both you and, and now the millions of viewers who've kind of gone along this journey with you. So, you know, you talk about the suspension. I think people's reactions to this are very bifurcated, right? On the one hand, there is this sentiment in the Jewish community that, you know, there's a part of it that feels nice because it seems like anti-Semitism is the thing that you can just never get punished for. And it seems to be the one kind of racial insensitivity that you get to get away with. And so I think there's, you know, a brief moment where people are like, it feels nice for the world to see actually there there are kind of consequences for anti-Semitism too. And I think the other piece of that that's really interesting, and this is a little inside baseball, but I, I do think it's really relevant, is that The View is actually part of ABC News. And so even though it's an opinion show, it's very much under the news division. And for that reason, the show has to comply with all news standards. It's news standards and legal that vet stories, that decide what polls are airworthy. Everything has to be in line with the news division's standards. And so when you talk about this suspension, you also have to recognize that this is the news division saying, Whoopi is the moderator of the show. Yes, she's there to give her opinion, but she's also there to kind of make the conversations as balanced as possible to elicit other opinions. And she's gone on air, on our air, on a news program and said something factually inaccurate. All of that said, do I think suspending her is the right answer? No, because this isn't about Whoopi. It's about the fact that she's regurgitating this poison that's out there. And why is she regurgitating it? Why is Whoopi someone who genuinely doesn't want to hurt people, regurgitating this thing, believing this thing that's out there? And so to me, the harder work that ABC could be doing is saying, let's unpack that. Let's work to combat that actual reality, that this is a thing that's out there. We are a news program. We talk to millions of people every day. We could actually be doing the hard work of unpacking that, engaging in that and educating on those misconceptions rather than just saying we're going to suspend someone and sort of getting the, you know, they they get clashered because it's like we've taken an action. But there are other actions that would actually be much more meaningful.
1: Really pleased to have with me Abraham Foxman, the former head of the Anti-Defamation League. Abe, you've been in this space for so long you know so much, you've seen so much, you have your own personal history of the Holocaust. I would love to hear your thoughts on what happened with Whoopi Goldberg.
11: Well, what she said was that um, the Holocaust or the murder of six million Jews was not racism. It was whites fighting whites. And so basically, who cares? It's uh, partially ignorance, partially politics, but Jason, I've had my run-ins with uh, Whoopi before. I think there is an element of of anti-Semitism there as well. Um, Twenty years ago, she submitted a recipe to a celebrity cookbook, and the recipe she submitted was Jap uh, recipe for fried chicken, Jewish American princess, and uh, the ingredients were: get a chauffeur, hire a chef, get your nails done. All the stereotypes of uh, of you know Jews with money, and I remember I, you know I went public and I said it's 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 insensitive, it's it's obnoxious, and it borders on anti-Semitism. She called me, cursed me out in the vilest form. Who died and made you God to decide what I can say or not? You know, an hour later, her agent and her lawyer called to apologize because they were worried about it. But so there's a history there. Um, you know, okay, we'll put it down to to ignorance, but it, but it's 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 also part of the race issue today. You know, uh, you know, if you're white, you you can't be a, um, you you can't be a, a victim of racism. I guess how does one explain Rwanda? Um, you know, what about Farrakhan, who's a black racist? So it's part of the race discussion. At the end of it, I'm, I'm opposed to cancel culture, Jason. Uh, all my life. Um, I tried to change people's minds and hearts. You don't do it by canceling them. So I'm not sure uh, ABC's decision to suspend her. Where that goes, except maybe make her a martyr of a temporary cancel culture. Um, if I were if I were ABC, if they called me, I would say to them, um, you know, mandate her to go for two or three days to the U.S. Holocaust Museum uh, to study to learn. Maybe it would change her heart and mind, but I don't know. She she is a celebrity, uh, vulgar celebrity, um, and, I, you know, maybe we're putting too much time on it. Um, but, you know, that's what life is today. It's th- that's the
1: news. And the, and then she did go ahead and apologize in different manners. You know, some people have said it was sincere. Others have told me it was forced. One of the things she did say, though, is, the, and I don't have her exact quote, but something that suggests that she recognizes not only was she wrong, but she spoke from a place of lack of education, and she shouldn't have done that. Which, in fairness to her, is an important message for a public figure to say. Sadly, too few public figures say yeah, that.
11: Yeah, ex- except it, except she's not you know she's not really a figure to take seriously. She's a comedian. She is, a, she is a radical comedian she, it's in your face okay so she said it why did she say it? she sort of explained it on the Colbert show because uh, she was worried about cancel culture <laughs> she wanted to put it behind her and she said I'm not going to talk about it again well why? now that you've learned maybe you can be a vehicle to educate she's not interested in that she, she made a mistake she realized she made a mistake she opened up her mouth on something she shouldn't have now she just wants it to move away
1: Hey, I'm really glad to welcome Josh Hammer to the show. Josh and I are actually colleagues. Um, he started his own new podcast, which I encourage everyone to listen to, The Josh Hammer Show. And uh, Josh, thanks for joining to talk about this important topic.
0: So happy to join you, Jason. Thanks for having me.
1: Let's assume no malice. Let's assume ignorance. How do we take this as a teaching moment and use it to fight what you and Ben have described and others are describing, and and frankly, to fight the ignorance about the Holocaust.
0: So we read a fantastic op-ed, actually, very recently on this topic and and Newsweek. So Rabbi Doe Fisher, who's affiliated with the Coalition for Jewish Values, which is a fabulous organization, it's like a 1,000 to 1,500 Orthodox rabbis kind of standing for, for, for Torah values. It's a wonderful organization. And Rabbi Doe Fisher wrote on this exact topic, exactly what you are asking me, Jason, he, and he basically said that this shines a spotlight on the inadequacies of Holocaust, Holocaust education. Like, we clearly, among other things, are just, like, not doing a good job of, of reminding people what the Holocaust was, at least as kind of the formulators of the Holocaust. I mean, Hitler, Himmler, all the, the worst people, the imaginable, the, you know, the, the worst of the worst. They thought, obviously, that, that, that this was an Aryan racial predicated genocide, and that's what it was. So among other things here, we clearly are not actually teaching what the Holocaust was, so we probably should double down on various sort of kind of educational missions. But the other part of Rabbi Fisher's op-ed, which is really interesting, was he, he also talks a little bit about the inadequacy of specifically Jewish education, and Over and over again, you know, I mean, the numbers on this, Pew, Gallup, the polling data is is pretty terrible consistently. We're kind of like the younger generation of Jews oftentimes say that they have a tenuous connection at best to Torah, to Israel, to all the things we would kind of expect Jews to have an attachment to. And in a lot of, especially non-Orthodox, especially non-Orthodox Jewish day schools, they say over and over again that the Holocaust, you know, like, that is, like, that is being Jewish. It's like remembering the Holocaust and taking that with you. But Rabbi Fisher's point in this op-ed was we need to do a better job of kind of presenting a positive vision of what Judaism is and what it aspires to be, as opposed to just kind of dwelling on the fact that six million of our ancestors, obviously, were taken like sheep to the to the slaughterhouse. So... You know, there's there's kind of a multi-pronged failure of education there, I guess.
1: Let's talk for a few minutes about Whoopi's apology. You know, I've had many guests on this special series that I'm doing, and most seem to think she was sincere. Some of the things I'm saying on social media suggest that it was insincere Forced She doubled down on the Stephen Colbert show. How did you
0: take it? It seemed to me like she doubled down, to be honest with you. Um, I, I mean, that's certainly what I heard in, in her comments to, to to Colbert here. I mean, look— you know, if someone, like, wants to do outreach, um, even kind of like a liberal organization like the ADL, I mean, if they want to come out and, like, say to Whoopi, like, you know, let me give you, like, a tour of the Holocaust Museum. And we, we, we've seen this kind of over and over again, right, where people kind of say outlandish things about, like, um, where the, when they're channeling was Farrakhan or the black Hebrew Israelites. You know, Nick Cannon, like over and over again, we kind of see a lot of like mainstream American Jewish organizations kind of reaching out and kind of trying to take them in. And I have nothing particularly, you know, I'm not opposed to that, obviously. I mean, like, it's a good thing for someone with Whoopi's platform to know what the heck she's talking about here. But I guess, you know, look, I guess I'm obviously a conservative figure, and the, the American right seems kind of split on how to react to situations like this. There are some people. You know, I saw Clay Travis say this, David French, maybe a handful of others who basically say, you know like I, I, I oppose cancel culture, period, like don't suspend her, don't punish her here. That's not my stance. Um, I, I, I take a different stance here where that may or may not have been kind of a thing like a, a a valid line for those of us on the right to take five, six, seven years ago, but the ball game now, where the left and the left across all the institutions that matter, obviously um, you know media university, higher ed, everything. They are trying to ostracize us and kick us out of the public square in any possible way imaginable. So from my perspective here, I'm not going to lift a finger to try to save Whoopi Goldberg from a suspension that ABC News doles out. I mean, I've got plenty of other fights to fight in my limited time. My good friend, Ilya Shapiro, is fighting for his job at Georgetown Law right now. That's who I'm going to spend my energy fighting for. I I am just simply not going to go out there and say, like, on principled cancel culture grounds, that she should not be suspended for a week or two. I I just frankly don't care. I mean, she has a long history of saying utterly foolish things, and we should take the time to educate her so that she doesn't make this mistake again. But I'm certainly not going to go out of my way to defend her now, that's for sure.
1: And what if you were sitting as a guest on The View today with Whoopi and the other co-hosts, and, of course, not only the studio audience, but a couple of million people who watch it every day? What would your message to them be?
0: Well, look, my message, I guess, to The View would be twofold. Um, Look, I mean, Megan McCain, when she resigned from The View, basically said that it was too hostile of the work environment, right? I mean, like, it was, she basically said she just couldn't handle it anymore. I mean, I would, you know, Megan and I were friendly for years. I kind of just lost contact with her. I hope she's doing well, obviously, but... Megan McCain is not exactly a hard right figure, right? I mean, she—I I mean, she, she obviously was very anti-Trump, and not getting into you know her father's, her late father's personal spats with the former president. I understand why she holds that stance, but Megan McCain is, you know, is not is not a Josh Hammer, not a Ben Shapiro. I mean, she's she, she's just not necessarily spewing fire on a daily basis. So if the if the climate there is too toxic for her, then they really are just not doing a good job, obviously, of reaching kind of at least half the country. So. They need to do a better job, obviously, especially if they actually take this line seriously of opposing cancel culture, as and we'll see the line that they take, by the way, because people on The View, Joy Behar, they have been big proponents of cancel culture in, in the past, obviously. So we'll see, you know, how that plays out in the context of Whoopi Goldberg, but they need to obviously do a better job of bringing in half the country to the extent they care about that. And as it pertains to the Whoopi Goldberg, you know, kerfuffle in particular here, look, intersectionality is poison okay this notion that we can kind of just like carve out society into various slivers of a pie based on kind of race sex immigration status sexual orientation whatever like you name it that like that human beings can be kind of divvied up in this fashion it's fundamentally anathema to everything that this country and I would say humanity stands for I mean I was going to basically say that it opposes the equality principle in the Declaration of Independence I would say it's kind of anathema to Genesis 127, I mean, like, the most foundational of all, like, equality statements, you know, man, female, like, God created them, Hashem created them. We are all men and women of God, and to kind of view us as just this ridiculously narrowed silo based on our skin color or genitalia whatever, it's it, it's totally nonsensical, and it leads to ridiculous outlandish statements like, like Whoopi Goldberg just made.
1: I'm really pleased to be here today with Bacha Angarsargon. Bacha is a colleague of mine at Newsweek, does some great work. She and I may not agree on some things, but uh, I have a lot of respect for her. Bacha, thank you so much for joining me.
12: Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for your service to this nation and to the Jewish people.
1: Thank you so much. So Bacha, we had some big news with Whoopi Goldberg in the last couple of days. I want to start by asking you, what did you think of her remarks?
12: So my uh, reaction to her remarks has evolved over time, I would say, like so many things. Um, you know, initially hearing her say that this was just white on white violence, especially what she said on the Colbert report, you know, it felt a little bit to me like um, minimizing the Holocaust insofar as she, she said something along the lines of these were two groups fighting each other you know, which made it sound almost like, you know, there were two equal groups fighting each other, right? That struck me as a very insensitive way to describe a genocide. So I thought that was quite gross. Um, Over time, um, talking to people, thinking more about it, I think the point that she was trying to make does have um, not just a redeemable, but an important component to it. So I've been thinking more and more about that, Um, so I can go into that if that's interesting. Um, Absolutely.
1: But one thing I just want to point out for my listeners, which is what Botya said about is her thoughts have evolved. Mine have too. And one of the reasons I'm so glad I did this show, and I, I say this, you're my last guest. I don't know where you'll end up in the in the actual podcast. But having spoken now to over a dozen people and also heard some commentary and all that, I realized there was a lot of immediate reaction. And all of it probably justified as immediate reaction but it really was much more complicated and complex and layered than I initially thought. And then probably many people thought. So I'm glad you felt that way as well. So let me hear the, the rest of your thoughts.
12: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a point she might have been trying to make, um, a little bit artlessly is something that I think is really important that we talk about, which is the mission creep of what counts as racism, So I know that for a lot of people in the Black community, there is the sense that people use the term racism to talk about a lot of things that are, let's say, much less bad than the things they have struggled with as Americans and the things they continue to struggle with as Americans. So I think the argument that there are specific ways in which America has failed the descendants of slaves and continues to do so... Um, you know, that is something we need to talk about, but too frequently under the rubric of intersectionality, which suggests that all oppressions are linked, um, what you end up having is, is y- people using the real pain of Black Americans to push their agenda, some of which are, are important agendas, right? Um, but in a way that really dilutes what the Black community ends up getting in terms of advocacy. So, you know, That You see that happen with immigrants, with the immigrant cause. You see that happening with LGBTQ issues. And you see it sometimes happening, more rarely, but sometimes happening with Jews and anti-Semitism. Now, from a a Black person's point of view, um, it's clear that the differences between our communities are enormous. That doesn't mean anti-Semitism doesn't still exist. It doesn't mean it's not on the rise. It exists and it is on the rise, but at the same time, The idea that there is something deeper, more structural, um, still afflicting American descendants of slaves that does not get the kind of attention it needs and the kind of policy, um, you know, focus that it requires. I think that that is a fair argument. Um, Now, of course, Hitler, of course, thought the Jews were a separate race. but you know, for Whoopi Goldberg to say, well, I don't accept that because Hitler thought it. I think that's a fair thing to say as well. I mean, I think the right position is race is a social construct, right? One that is used by people in power in order to disempower their foes. But the problem, I think, with what she ended up saying was, you know, race is a social construct when Hitler used it against Jews, but it's real when people in America use it against Black people. So her thinking was very muddled. And I think that her words... They were hurtful, but I think her apology was very sincere. It's very clear that Whoopi Goldberg is not an anti-Semite. It's very clear that she has warm feelings towards the Jewish community. Um, I don't know that she's interested in truly learning what you know was wrong with what she said, but I, I certainly don't think that she should be fired over this. I really hope she comes back and then everybody just puts this behind them.
1: Well, listeners, I've managed to gather together a lot of leading voices on this Whoopi Goldberg issue. And I have to be honest, I'm still processing it. I think everybody made some really important points. Not everybody's on the same page here, but here's my takeaway from this. Other than one guest, it seems to me most people agree that Whoopi Goldberg is not an anti-Semite. Most people agree that she was careless, made some really horrible, horrible, ignorant remarks People debated whether or not her apology was sincere. I'd like to give her the benefit of doubt that the apology was sincere. I think that her appearance on the Stephen Colbert show actually wasn't so great. Uh, One of my guests pointed out that she didn't even want to speak about the issue anymore, and I think that's an important point. What I would like to see from Whoopi, what I think most people want to see from Whoopi, even assuming if her apology was sincere, was a dedication to speak about it more. I think that The View and Whoopi and ABC should take this opportunity to educate people. They have a a really, really strong platform. A mistake was made. I'm not into cancel culture at all, especially for an incident like this. And I think that what should happen now, besides her apology, which again, I hope was sincere and I'll take it at face value, is a willingness not only to recognize the mistake. And uh, I think one thing she did say that still resonates with me is she acknowledged, I think it takes a big person to do that, that she was um, ill-informed and that she needed to do better, and I think that's a strong message. But then let's see what we do better. Let's see The View do better. Let's see ABC do better. Take this opportunity to educate people. We threw out a couple of ideas about doing the show from different Holocaust memorial sites or museums. I think it's an outstanding idea. I hope that they do it. And I would like to see all of us rededicate ourselves to re-educating about the Holocaust, It is fading in way too many people's minds. Some people don't even understand it, know about it. Let's not focus on Whoopi Goldberg's comments, her apology, her punishment, or lack of punishment. Let's recognize what happened and use this opportunity as a tremendous learning experience and an opportunity to re-educate people about it. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Jason Greenblatt. This is The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek.